Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, we are so thankful to be in your house this morning, so thankful to gather together and Lord to be reminded of that day when you come through the clouds and call us back unto you. Lord, we are thankful to gather together to quiet our hearts, to listen for your voice. Lord, as we listen to your word this morning, as we sing your praises, may our hearts be softened. May our hearts be opened to the message that you have for us. Guide our thoughts, guide our hearts. Chasten us in those areas, Lord, that we need to change. Thank you, Lord, for the world mission offering and for all the uh, those who give, Lord, and we thank you for the work that's being done all over the world to take your message. And Lord, we encourage, are encouraged by those who take that message all over the world, and we are thankful for that. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's scripture is out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, we will be looking at uh, 35 through 45. And then 50 through 57. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body, and as he is determined And to each kind of seed he gives it its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds have another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly body is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly body is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And the star differs from the star in splendor. So will it be with so it will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in a natural a natural body and raised in a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, came a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. Verse 50, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. But we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? 
The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. May God add his blessing to the reading this morning. When we go um, to visit someplace, maybe you're going to a friend's house, uh, maybe you're going camping, maybe you weren't going to the, one of those exotic uh, destinations, you know, Tahiti or someplace, you know. Imagine, you know, maybe you're just going next door to your neighbor's house for a visit for a while. When you go to those places, there are certain things you, you know, basics that you know will be there and, you know, things will be taken care of. If you're going to stay overnight, you know, there's going to be a bed there. There's going to be a bathroom. They're going to have running water. Uh, you know that uh, on your way there, if you cross over a bridge, the bridge is not going to fall down. You're going to get there okay. And, uh, you know, then there are some things about going places that, uh, you know, there's some extra bonuses uh, that you maybe don't know about ahead of time. You get to your destination, you find out they have white sandy beaches or beautiful mountain view that you didn't know about or, or it's just the right time of year and the leaves are changing colors and beautiful scenery all around you. We don't know about those things until we get there, but we're excited to discover that kind of stuff when we get there and, and uh, to find things that we didn't even think about ahead of time. Well, that's the way it is with uh, our new bodies and, and our new heaven and the new earth when the Lord uh, decides to make that happen. Uh, there will be those basic things that the Bible tells us about that we know will be there. We know that Jesus will be there. We know that our brothers and sisters who love Jesus like we do, they will be there as well. And we know that uh, it will be an eternity in uh, pleasure uh, and uh, work for the Lord during that time. But there will also be some unknown bonuses that we won't know about until we get to our heavenly destination. And those are the exciting things that, uh, you know, we might be able to speculate about them, this side, of, this side of that experience, but we really don't know for sure how that will be. First John chapter 3 uh, John, the writer, says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, but it has not yet been made known uh, what we shall be. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, the biggest way we'll be like Jesus is in the spiritual dimension. In that dimension where loving relationships make all the difference in the world. Uh, those loving relationships towards other people, uh, not only people that love Jesus like we do, but people who uh, maybe are even our enemies. Jesus says, love our enemies. Uh, but So we can begin that loving relationship, that practicing of love, that great uh, commandment that Jesus told us, uh, love God, and love your neighbor as yourself. We can begin that process right now while we're living uh, this life. And then someday when we receive that new heavenly eternal body, we'll be right in practice. We'll be able to really know what it's all about in relationship to the Lord. Now the passage we read this morning in 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that our eternal bodies will be different. It said there that they'll be imperishable, immortal, and bodies of glory and honor. These will be characteristics that we don't presently have. I don't know about you, but I'm not too glorious or, uh, you know, I'm not too handsome at this stage of my life, at least. Uh, you know, one day I was really, you know, but <laughs> not, 
not anymore, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> okay, I was just checking to make sure you guys were awake there. <laughs> when you laughed, I knew that you know that I'm just uh, pulling your leg there. But anyhow, we'll have someday imperishable, immortal bodies of glory and power. We will have a spiritual heavenly body, just like Jesus' body when he was resurrected from the dead, at least in some similarity to what Jesus' body was like. And so for followers of Jesus, uh, that passage that uh, Dan read for us, death will be swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? That's the exciting part about about this new eternal resurrected body is is that death will be no more. Uh, The first Adam, it says in there, uh, was given life. But the last Adam, referring to Jesus, is a life-giving spirit. So if we're to inherit that beautiful, eternal, glorious body someday, we need to acknowledge that life-giving spirit of Jesus. We have to be followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, someone who loves Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If we have this victory over a death and we look forward to this glorious body someday that's awaiting us in this new heaven and new earth, how should we live? Uh, Francis Schaeffer wrote a book many years ago in the 70s, I believe it was, How Then Should We Live? And you can read that whole book. Maybe it's in our library. I'm not sure. But uh, in this new body, in in light of this new eternal body that we're going to have, How do we live now? Well, we live taking care of our earthly body, certainly, because our bodies that we presently now have are the temple of God. uh, Paul tells us, don't you know your body is the temple of God who lives within you? And so out of respect for God's Holy Spirit that lives within us as Christians, we take care of our body. And, of course, natural uh, self-preservation also tells us that we take care of our body. But we don't, uh, because we know that someday we're going to get an eternal body that's beautiful and perfect in all ways, uh, we don't obsess over this earthly body. Uh, Especially as we get older, we realize that our bodies don't work the way they used to. But we know that, hey, even though this one is breaking down and and, uh, getting corrupted in its older age, someday that will all go away and we'll have a new body. Uh, He tells us here, Uh, that uh, it will be an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. And then in 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul goes on to give us two examples of the difference between our earthly body that we now have and the heavenly body that someday we will uh, enjoy. Uh, He gives two illustrations. The first one, he says, uh, if the earthly body we live in is destroyed, we have an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. And instead of saying body, he says, if the earthly tent, that's the illustration, if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have an eternal house in heaven. Uh, I I don't know about you guys, whether you've been tent camping. Uh, Don and I were tent camping for a few years. And one time on our way back from out west where we saw some national parks or whatever it was, we were coming across Kansas. Now somebody told me it it, it was windy in Kansas, but I thought, well, you know, it can't be any windier there than anywhere else. So we set up our tents, and, you know, everything was just perfect. And, and we decided since we were out of clean clothes, we better go wash the clothes. So we went to the, 
big concrete building about the size of this church building, and there was rec room there and laundry and all that stuff. So we're busy doing our laundry, and we noticed by looking out the window that it was raining but didn't think much about it. So we finished our laundry, and by that time the rain had quit, we went back to our campsite. But guess what? The tents were gone. You know, they'd blown out of Kansas. You know, Dorothy or whoever uh, <laughs> evidently took our tents with her when she went to the land of Oz. But... Uh, so we looked around, and after a while, we found one tent, uh, you know, a few hundred yards away, leaning up against a, a, a fence, a hur- hurricane fence that had caught that tent. So we rescued it, but it wasn't worth rescuing because it was pretty torn up. The other tent, we never did find it. I guess it probably followed the yellow brick road the whole way. And uh, so we packed up our things, what were left of our things. Uh, at least we had our clothes, if nothing else, and, and off we went to find a motel. That earthly tent that we were staying in for those few weeks on our vacation was temporary, wasn't it? We didn't realize it was going to blow away quite that soon. But you never know. The earthly tent we live in is like that a camping tent. It's uh, fragile. It can be blown away in no time at all, and things can end. And then Paul says we also uh, are like jars of clay. This, the, our life is like a jar of clay, to show that the all-surpassing power is not from us, but from God. And then he goes on to say, as jars of clay, we're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed, and so on and so forth in that passage. But the jar of clay illustration tells us something about this earthly body again. Uh, Our bodies are made out of clay, just like uh, a jar of clay is. You know, we're, we're of this earth. And just like a jar of clay can be broken if you accidentally let it slip and, and just, or bump it a little bit against something, it can break and uh, can be gone in just a, a moment or two. And so we have to be careful to take care of our earthly tents, our jars of clay, but at the same time to know, uh, as Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you can be also. And Thomas says, well, where are you going? How can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one inherits that eternal uh, house in heaven, not built by human hands. No one inherits that unless they follow me. Jesus is telling us the way to receive that eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. There's quite a difference between this earthly body and that someday eternal heavenly body. Kind of reminds me of the difference between um, when we were kids, uh, when our kids were little, I guess even when I was little, there was a thing called Lincoln Logs. You remember those Lincoln Logs? I don't know whether they have Lincoln Logs anymore or not. But uh, we would build uh, houses or whatever they were called with our kids. And, uh, you know, you'd no more get them built and, you know, they'd knock them down. They thought that was so funny to knock those things down that you'd worked on. Uh, We had another thing called bricks, we called them in those days. And nowadays they call those things Legos. Do you remember the old, uh, they were old style kind of uh, Legos, but they were called bricks at that time. So, you know, they got a new name. But anyhow... Kids, the kids' buildings, the buildings they built, were fragile and subject to quick destruction and really not very beautiful. They weren't architecturally sound or beautiful or anything, you know, but they did the best they could. 
Now compare those uh, Lincoln Logs and those uh, Lego built houses with something that someone would build who's a professional trained architect or an experienced builder. These people build buildings that last for centuries, and we have buildings, especially in Europe and, and in Asia, that have been there for centuries and centuries, thousands of years, because the architects and builders created something that was strong and beautiful and lasted for centuries. And that's the difference between this earthly body, this tent, this jar of clay that we have, and those eternal resurrected bodies that the Lord will give to us in that day. In Luke, Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And uh, the rich man, he, he had everything that money could buy as he lived from day to day. And outside the gate was this man, Lazarus, who was a poor fellow, a beggar. And not only was he poor and begging for a living, but he also was quite sick. He had sores on his body, it says in that scripture passage. Well, eventually, both Lazarus and the rich man passed away. Uh, Lazarus uh, found himself at Abraham's side, Abraham's bosom, it says in the King James Version, in paradise, there with Abraham, and he then received all the comforts that God could give to him. Uh, he was separated from all the troubles that had uh, enslaved him during his earthly life. He was separated from where the rich man ended up. The rich man ended up in hell. Abraham and Lazarus, though, couldn't do anything because there was a great gulf that separated them from uh, the rich man. Uh, the rich man wanted uh, some relief from his pain. Uh, that couldn't be possible, so he said, well, at least send uh, Lazarus back from the dead and tell my brothers and warn them not to come here because this is a terrible place. But uh, Abraham said to him, he said, even if someone were to be resurrected from the dead, uh, still, uh, they won't believe. Uh, sadly, that's the case, isn't it? Sadly, many people will not believe what the Scriptures teach about the resurrection. Uh, these unbelievers will not believe even if somebody were to be coming back from the dead like Jesus did. Jesus came back from the dead, uh, witnessed by hundreds of people his resurrection, and yet many people still refuse to believe in the resurrection. And so they're living their life as if there were no uh, future at all, if there were no uh, new eternal resurrected bodies to gain someday. In Luke chapter 20, uh, Jesus tells us something else. He says, since we will be children of God, we'll be eternal creatures. He tells us in this story the uh, Sadducees came to Jesus with this, uh, they thought was going to be a trick question for him. And uh, they said, uh, well, suppose there's uh, seven brothers, and the first one marries someone, and then he dies, and uh, then according to Jewish law, the second one, if he's unmarried, he's supposed to marry this, the widow, and so he does, and there's still no children. And so it goes through all seven brothers, and then they're all dead, and they all go to heaven, and the Sadducee says, well, whose wife is he, uh, she, when, when they get to heaven? And Jesus says, uh, you've got it all wrong. We'll be eternal creatures. We'll be children of God when we get to heaven. And our relationships will all be centered on God. Uh, there'll be a greater relationship with all your brothers and sisters in the Lord as well as that great relationship with the Lord Jesus, and there will be no longer a need for giving and taking in marriage as there is on earth. Uh, as we said before, God created marriage to be 
as perfect a relationship as we're ever going to get here on earth. Some of them are more perfect than others, but still, uh, that's as good as it's going to get on earth. But scriptures tell us that marriage is temporary. It's an earthly illustration of what? Our marriage is an earthly illustration of the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church. And someday, when we all receive that, those new eternal resurrected bodies, we'll be in a relationship with Christ, and, uh, as well as all the others who are members of the church of Jesus Christ, and we'll have that eternal relationship with God. And once we have those eternal heavenly bodies and are present with Christ, we'll not need temporary uh, earthly relationships such as marriage. Uh, a few uh, months ago, I was talking with a couple old guys, and, and uh, they were, we were all kind of commiserating together. We'd retired, and we didn't know what to do exactly with ourselves once we were retired. And, uh, and uh, one guy says, you know, my, my wife sometimes, she just chases me out. She says, just go find something to do. Go find something to do. And, uh, and all of us kind of agreed, you know, that it seemed like spending so much time with, uh, with your spouse after you're retired, you know, it uh, just seems like as if, you know, you, you, you just ha- you get a little annoyed with each other, I guess you could say. Oh, I don't know. That's, yeah. Pastor Dan's a good counselor if you need a good counselor. <laughs> so uh, that's the case whether before you're retired or after you're retired. Dan's not, you don't care which do you, Dan. No, you'll take either one, okay. So, but anything, you know, if that's the case after you're retired and you get annoyed with each other just after a few weeks or a few months of retirement, think what it would be like if you were married to your wife and had to live with her forever. You know, I mean, whew. She'd be sending you out to the grocery store quite, she'd say, you know, I think Jesus and the angels are working on something on the other side of town, you know. (laughs) Your wife would probably say, you know, Jerusalem's 1,400 miles wide and long and high and all that stuff. We'll read about that in Revelation next week. But anyhow, uh, go over to the other 1,400 miles away someplace and work with Jesus for a while. But fortunately, uh, that's not the case. When we get to heaven, uh, Jesus says we won't have to be worried about uh, giving and taking in marriage. So uh, the Sadducees had missed the whole point. The Sadducees had missed the point that uh, there is a resurrection. Uh, Because Jesus went on to say in that passage, he says, God is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he put that in, in present tense. I am right now the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are just as alive now as they were when they were on earth. And so Jesus was getting across the point that we need to consider uh, as we live this life uh, that there will be an everlasting life someday and, uh, and we will have those new eternal bodies at that time. Now, the scriptures tell us uh, a few things about those bodies, but we're not all sure exactly uh, the details of that, as I said earlier. Uh, but one thing we know, there are some things we will not be. Uh, we'll not be angels. Uh, there are angels, but we're not them, believe it or not, uh, except for my wife. She's a real angel. After I've said those earlier things, I got to you know, <laughs> Got to get in a positive point here. <laughs> um, but anyhow, we're not going to be angels. Uh, we're not going to be ghosts. We're not going to be spirits floating around. Uh, we're not going to be zombies. You know, that's the great thing in all the movies. That's not what we're going to be. We're not going to be reincarnated as animals or elephants or cows or whatever else somebody might want to be reincarnated. 
But we are going to have an eternal resurrected body. <clears throat> Jesus tells us in Luke 24, the resurrected body is physical. He demonstrates that in Luke 24. He's been resurrected from the dead. He goes with the disciples. He finds the disciples out fishing on the Sea of Galilee. They'd fished all night and hadn't found anything. Jesus came to throw your net on the other side, and they did. They threw their net on the other side, and they caught a, a great uh, net full of fish. Uh, what is it, 153 or 151 or something? It even tells how many fish in there. I guess that's a sermon for somebody's el somebody else sometime. But anyhow, uh, and then he says, bring the fish in. So they bring the fish in, and Jesus has a campfire right along the Sea of Galilee, a beautiful camping spot, I'm sure. And uh, he has on the coals, on the grill right there, some fish that Jesus had already prepared for them. And Jesus takes and partakes of the fish, and he eats just as the other disciples do. He, he shares in a fellowship meal there with his disciples. Jesus prepared, I guess that was Luke, John 21, it tells about the fishing story. I said Luke 24, but John 21. Jesus prepared that campfire along the Sea of Galilee. And in, in our new resurrected bodies, we'll enjoy the fellowship with the Lord. We'll enjoy a meal together with brothers and sisters in the Lord. In fact, in Revelation 19, verse 9 tells us there will be a great banquet feast. And it uh, gives an illustration like a, a marriage feast uh, that many of us have been to great receptions after a marriage and, and the grandeur of those kinds of events. Well, uh, we'll have that kind of a great uh, gathering as we get together with brothers and sisters in the Lord in that heavenly home and in those new resurrected bodies. Now, if this great community gathering is what's coming for us, if this new body, this eternal body, uh, imperishable and incorruptible, all that stuff uh, is coming soon. What does that mean for us right now? It means, I think, among other things, and we could preach a, a longer sermon on this, but I won't, uh, we need to get along with all of our believers, brothers and sisters in the Lord. If somebody believes in Jesus as Savior and Lord, they're our brother and sister. It doesn't matter what they believe about this little thing or that little thing or whatever else it might be. The main thing is Jesus is Lord and Savior. So we need to practice getting along with brothers and sisters. Then we need to be telling other believers about what Jesus is doing for us. We need to share with brothers and sisters, hey, you know the wonderful thing that happened this week? And, and not, not that you're bragging about those things, but you're focusing on what Jesus has done for you. And as we leave this morning, that might be a challenge for us to just tell somebody about what the Lord's done for you this week and say, it's the Lord that did these things. Uh, and and uh, that will help to encourage you to give your testimony then not only to just brothers and sisters in the Lord, but be prepared to give that same testimony to someone who's not yet a Christian so that other people will come to know the blessing that it is to have this promise of an eternal life, an abundant life with Jesus. As we care for one another... This will be a witness to unbelievers of the difference that Jesus has made in our life. The difference that it makes when we know that this life isn't all there is. That there's a, a waiting for us an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. And as we're helping those in need around us, whether they're Christians or whether they're uh, not yet a Christian, uh, we'll be witnessing to them of Jesus' love for us. Many people do that on a regular basis, and I'm excited to see how the church has many people at work 
demonstrating their love for Jesus by showing their love for other people. Uh, and the difference, the change that it makes when Jesus comes into our life, when we grab hold of the promises of Scripture, among others, uh, this promise of an eternal resurrected body someday, uh, when we can grab hold of that and live in light of that promise, uh, then we're freed up not to worry about the things of this world. We're, we're freed up to go and share the good news with other people by demonstrating personally our care for someone else. Uh, naturally, all of us have uh, someone that we look up to when we're growing up, and many of us look up to our father if we had a, a good dad, and that's the case with me. I can remember uh, uh, my dad telling me many times, he said when he grew up when he was in his 20s, uh, before he met uh, my mother, uh, he said he was a wild, wooly kind of a guy. And uh, hardly the kind of person you would uh, conclude was a Christian. But then he met my mother, and her faith in Jesus changed him. I think his, her good looks probably helped some too, but anyhow. Uh, he, he, was, he was changed. <laughs> but it was Jesus, uh, Dad would say, Jesus was the one that changed him. Uh, he came to know Jesus, and his life changed. And then he uh, took some time, over a period of time, he grew in the Lord, and he began to show his love for other people. Uh, and, uh, you know, his business changed. He was a coal miner. He owned this little uh, coal mine inside of the hill. There are no hillsides here hardly to dig coal mines, but down where we have in Butler County, lots of little coal mines in those days into the side of a hill, and he owned one of those. And he quite frequently gave away coal for free to those people who were in need. Never thought anything about uh, payment for those things. And he demonstrated whenever the deacons in the church, he became a deacon, and the deacons did like the deacons here do. Uh, went and visited people and helped people who were sick, people who were injured, and, uh, and continued to demonstrate their love for Jesus by working together to help those in need. When he met Jesus, Dad said he wanted to be able to give a good report of what he had done. He read that scripture passage that tells about the sheep and the goats that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he wants to, he said he wants to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant, when he arrives and receives his eternal resurrected body. So that's the way we should be trying to live our lives. That it makes a difference. And the people who knew dad before and the people who knew dad after, <laughs> some of them knew him both times, uh, they saw a great difference in his life. And that's the way we should be living. We should be living to demonstrate uh, that we have that new body coming. We have that imperishable, immortal body of glory and power that Jesus is going to give to us someday. And so we're going to look forward to that and we're going to live our life in light of the fact that Jesus has that promise for us and give away this life and use this body for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ our Lord. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the gift that you've already given to us, the promise. It's a sure guarantee, as the Apostle Paul says. Just as you resurrected Jesus from the dead, you also will resurrect us and give us a new body. And we're thankful, Lord, that that may be coming sooner than we think, that there may be a, the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God, and, and uh, the dead in Christ shall rise and and we who are alive, if we're alive at times, will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and we'll be forever with the Lord. 
And Lord, we pray today, if there's one who yet has not received that promise, has not yet received the gift of forgiveness by surrendering their life to Jesus, that today might be the day. In light of this glorious and wonderful promise of everlasting, eternal life. And those of us, Lord, who are already Christians, we need to start living more like it. Help us, Lord, to demonstrate uh, our belief in Scripture by giving away the time of life in this body uh, to honor and glorify you in light of the new eternal resurrected bodies we'll receive someday. And we pray, Lord, that you challenge hearts and minds even as we close this morning. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen.